is a Woodside Church podcast. Morning everyone, it's my privilege to be introducing and launching our series, new series entitled Nehemiah, A Time to Rebuild. We've chosen the book of Nehemiah because in this story there are many parallels with our current time. When we have had a long time of restriction and separation due to the pandemic, but now we're returning to our Sunday services and church life as a whole and many other activities. Opportunities are opening up for us as a church and also as individuals to have a greater impact on those around us again. The story is all about returning and rebuilding what was lost. At the end of a time of exile, separation and spiritual barrenness, God put it in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Without the city walls being rebuilt, the people of God would always be vulnerable. But this story is not just about the rebuilding of the walls. Under Nehemiah's leadership and vision comes a restoration or rebuilding of many things, including prayer, understanding of the word of God, putting God first again, a restoration of generosity, everybody playing their part, learning how to overcome enemy opposition and having an impact on other nations, to name some examples. God is at work throughout the story, leading Nehemiah and giving him vision, a burden, wisdom and strategic leadership gifts. Through this, God stirs the people afresh, not only to see the dire situation they're in, but also to do something about it. God hears and answers prayer, opens doors, makes provision and stirs his people again. Through Ezra, the word of God is heard, understood and responded to by the people from their hearts. The people of God are freshly united and desirous of God being honoured again in their lives, in their community and through them further afield. The story starts at a time to rebuild and ends with a time to celebrate all that God had consequently done through his people. It's our prayer that as we once again are reminded of these lessons as a church, that God will find in all of us a people freshly stirred with a heart for him, for his word, and willing to each play our part to rebuild in order to see him greatly honoured and known by many. And today's title, when we're looking at Nehemiah chapter one, is From Passion to Prayer. Let me start by reading the first four verses of that chapter. Nehemiah one, verses one to four. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who'd just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, 
things are not going well for those who've returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Just in these introductory verses, we see how Nehemiah, writing this memoir, cared passionately about the people of God. He cared passionately that things were not going well for them, that they were in great trouble and disgrace, that the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down and that the gates had been destroyed by fire. And even though he himself was working in a secular workplace, living comfortably with a good job as cupbearer to the king, he was far from home. He knew who he was. He was part of the people of God. And Nehemiah has helped me over the years to learn to love the church, to learn to know how to feel about the people of whom I am a part. In 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10, we read this of the church, of us. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. As Christians, our primary identity is with God and his people, the church. This is where our hearts are. And for Nehemiah, in verse 2, he recognised that not everything was bad. Some things had got better. And there's a hint of it in this verse when he said that Han and I, one of his brothers, had come to visit him and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And he says, I asked them about the Jews who'd returned there from captivity and about how things were going on in Jerusalem. It was not many years back that people had been much more restricted, that these men who'd come with this bad news would not have even been able to travel. And now there was greater freedom of movement. And some who had been in exile had returned to Jerusalem and started to resettle there. You see, at this point in history, Babylonians' world domination had come to an end. And the Persians were now the superpower in charge. And their policy towards those that they'd conquered and were in exile was different to that of the Babylonians. They took pains to maintain quietness and peace in their domain. They, uh, by granting their subjects, uh, races, a, a large measure of autonomy, especially when it came to freedom of religion. And one of the measures already taken by the government uh, of Cyrus, a previous Persian king, 
was to give permission for the temple in Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Even the actual wording of the decree made uh, uh, that he made regarding this is in our Bibles in the book of Ezra chapter 6. When it says that King Cyrus even ordered that all the expenses be paid for from the royal treasury and that the gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian king had taken from the temple to Babylon should be returned. And now after half a century a fresh start was being made in Jerusalem. However the start was slow and hesitating. There was severe and widespread destruction, there was great poverty and great despondency amongst the Israelites. And this reminds me of the effect of the COVID pandemic over these last two years. I mean, it hasn't all been bad. I remember the day the, the song entitled The UK Blessing was released with worship leaders from all around the countries, from different church backgrounds, came together online and released this wonderful prophetic song, uh, originally from number six, bringing blessing to the nation, bringing blessing to the people from God. And when I first heard it, I just found myself weeping because I was so moved with a sense of God in his heart for us as a nation. And indeed, other nations of the world, as other worship leaders from around the world, started bringing the same blessing to their own people, often in their own languages. We found a new way to do community online for community groups. Youth continued online with New Day. And it was amazing and really helpful. We got to a stage where youth church could meet again in person, when Sundays could at least be uh, a time when some could gather in person, albeit in limited numbers for a short time last autumn and then from April this year. And it's been a blessing. We've still been able to continue to serve the community, at least through two things, food bank and the befriending service, which have been hugely significant. Some of us have appreciated the space that the forced lockdown has brought, allowing us to spend more time with Jesus. Some of you have enjoyed more family time with the children under your own roof. Some have had additions to your family who we are now only just meeting. WhatsApp prayer support has been helpful to many. Online Sunday services, youth and children's videos have been far reaching and been a blessing and help to many. Our monthly 24-hour prayer chain has been amazing, with well over 100 people on a monthly basis, 100 people uh, uh, being able to pray uh, hour by hour uh, for many things in the light of what we're going through. I believe the rapid finding of the vaccines um, has been an answer to prayer. The work of the NHS and the care sector has been amazing. And thank you so much to those of you who are listening, who've been involved right at the, at the coalface of this. Thank you so much. But let's be honest, there have been many challenges. 
we've not been able to meet together with normal numbers for 18 months. As a local church for months on end, there was no physical presence for the community to be aware of. There has been an inevitable loss of momentum. In some respects, we've lost a year and a half. For many, there's been isolation and with it, loss of confidence and even a loss of motivation and for some jeopardising your own mental health. Community groups and prayer meetings were only able to meet online. And let's face it, it's not quite the same as being in person. Our serving of the community has been greatly pared back apart from food bank and the befriending service. We've only recently been able to sing in worship and even now we're still wearing masks. That's been hard. Opportunities for our youth and children's clubs have been greatly limited. Some have faced very difficult life events without the normal level of in-person support. Church members have lost loved ones, not all to COVID. Others became seriously ill themselves and if not physically, are still emotionally in recovery mode. Some have become disconnected and not found that the online provisions have ticked their boxes. Now there is much to rebuild. Our teams are not as strong as they are. The time we've had to restart strong has been hampered. Effort is needed to re-engage. We haven't had any baptisms for 18 months. Opportunities for personal evangelism have been more limited. And I've heard fewer stories of people coming to know Jesus for the first time. When we hear things like this, how do we react? Discouraged? Defeated? Unmotivated? I want to suggest that we become inspired by Nehemiah. When he said in verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Because Nehemiah knew he was a part of God's people, he deeply loved God's people and he felt passionately for their condition. It led him to a season of intercessory prayer. And it's worth taking note of how Nehemiah prayed. And we're going to look at seven things that help us in our own prayers. From passion to prayer. The first thing we see is that Nehemiah recognised who God is and what he does as he began to pray. Verse 5. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Now when we pray, we often go straight in with our requests, rather than say prayers that are full of God, his attributes and his ways. You know, 
if someone was eavesdropping on our own praying, private prayer, our prayer lines, they should be able to learn a lot of good theology just by listening to, listening to us pray. Even the Lord's Prayer starts with God and who he is. The second thing we learn from Nehemiah's prayer is his prayer was persistent and continual. Verse 6, he says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. Now for Nehemiah, many of these days were actually working days. He was working as cupbearer to the king and Nehemiah, even in the midst of his ordinary daily routines, was carrying a burden in prayer. There are times when God puts a burden for prayer on us too. We keep praying for days, for weeks, even years sometimes. For Nehemiah, it was four continuous months. The third thing we see about Nehemiah's prayer is that he confessed his sins and the sins of God's people. Verse 6 and 7. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Nehemiah brings confession and personal responsibility into his prayers. He acknowledged, Lord, I am not perfect. I'm part of the problem. He identified with the people confessing their sins. It again reminds me of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Notice it's in the plural that we're taught to pray. This takes us to the cross, the means of forgiveness, and to the need in our hearts to forgive those who've wronged us. It keeps us in close relationship with God and with others, and it keeps us from minimising our own sins while maximising those of others. It leads us to pray that we would all enjoy the forgiveness of God and be forgiving towards others. It's praying this on behalf of others as well as ourselves. Praying like this helps us to deal with our imperfections, knowing there's forgiveness on the cross. As we have forgiven those who sin against us, helps us to stay in good relationship with others and free from bitterness and bearing grudges. It helps us to live with the imperfections of others and show grace towards them in the same way that Christ has shown grace towards us. This is the heart with which Nehemiah prayed. He didn't blame everyone else. He shared the responsibility for the situation that they were in. Fourthly, in his prayer, Nehemiah reminded God of his promises. Verses 8 and 9. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, 
then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honoured. Scripture invites us to remind God of his promises. And there are so many promises about us, about the church and about the future. And we can be praying, Lord, you said, ask and you shall receive. And right now I'm coming to you again and asking that we will receive fresh sense of your presence, fresh anointing of your spirit, fresh blessing from you. You said in your word that the harvest field is white unto harvest. And Lord, we pray for fresh opportunities to reach those who do not yet know and love you. Fresh spreading of the good news of Jesus that others may hear and respond. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be an no end. Lord, let your kingdom keep extending. Let your will keep being done on the earth. We read about the church as a glorious bride, full of unity and stature and maturity. Lord, bring this about, we pray in Jesus' name. Nehemiah pleaded with God to bring his people back to the place that God had chosen for his name to be honoured. For God's people and for God's honour, which are both connected. And it's not simply geography. It's the place of God in the hearts of his people. It reminds me of the Westminster Confession written in the 1600s, where it says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's pray for that to happen afresh in our day. And then fifthly, Nehemiah reminded God of his ownership of the people. Verse 10, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Reminding God of his ownership of his people in prayer is a great thing to do. We are God's people bought with the precious blood of Christ. When God sees his people, it's not just those who know they are already his people, but also those who are yet to become his people. Paul, to the uh, when Paul was in Corinth, we read in Acts 18, and had seen a few converts, but then faced a lot of opposition, heard this from God, where God said to him, don't be afraid, go on speaking, for I have many people in this city. And when saying that, God was referring to those who hadn't yet come to know him, but were called by him and were, yet, uh, were going to be added to the number. Some people have asked, is this global pandemic a sign that Jesus is coming back soon? I don't know. But what I do know is that God is still in the business of calling people to receive his forgiveness and new life. In 2 Peter 3, we read, you mustn't forget this thing, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 
Then the sixth lesson we learn about Nehemiah's prayer is that he asked for a specific practical outcome. Verse 11. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honouring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. During his season of prayer, God clearly put a plan and desire into Nehemiah's heart. It's often when you're in a season of prayer, maybe for one overriding thing predominantly, that God will speak to you and put things in your heart for you to do. He asked Nehemiah, asked for a specific practical outcome for the next step. He said, please grant me success today by making the king favourable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And we'll see next week how God answers his prayers. And then a seventh thing. Nehemiah was willing to be part of the solution. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honouring you. Grant me success. He was willing today by making the king favourable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah was ready to take action as God opened doors of opportunity in answer to prayer. I want to encourage us to pray for those who don't yet know Jesus, but also in doing that, be willing to be a part of the solution and be someone who reaches out to them. I want to encourage us to pray for everyone to be served well as we start to gather again in larger numbers. For some, it'll be praying for the children or for families with babies and toddlers or for youth. For others, it'll be praying for new people coming amongst us. For others, bringing prophetic words and others gifts of the Holy Spirit. For others, we'll be praying that people will be using their musical gifts and to serve us as we worship. You might want to be praying for those who will uh, you learn technical and practical skills and put them into play as they serve us in the church. But also be willing to be part of the solution. Pray that we as a church will be ready again to serve those in the borough of Bedford and surrounding area. Pray for those who are willing to disciple and encourage others in their faith and gathering in a small group. Pray asking God to put things in your heart that you should pray for, that will bring honour to God and be a blessing to God's people and be willing to be part of the solution. Just like Nehemiah was, as we read his story in chapter one. And if you're willing to be part of the solution, part of God's next step, as we move forward from here, I want to invite you now to pray with me. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever that you are king, 
that you are Lord and we honour you. We recognise that we as a church and churches in general in this nation and in the world have been through a very challenging couple of years. We thank you that for ourselves, we are able now to take opportunity to rebuild again, to see things that were lost, restored, and for each of us to be used to be part of the solution. And in Jesus' name, we give ourselves afresh to you to enter like Nehemiah did, time of prayer and intercession, for your name to be honoured as your people gather again, for your presence to be known as we gather again, for your kingdom to be extended as we seek to do your will together, for the many gifts and abilities there are amongst us to be used to the full, that we would see a fresh rebuilding and that you would take us further on in your purposes than we have ever been to that. And Lord, for myself, I make myself available to you to say I'm willing to be used by you as a part of the solution to the rebuilding that we need. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.